Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. You see, when the Bible says, but God forbid, that just means may it never be. Today, the saying is no way. That's what everybody says. But God forbid shows up quite a few times in the Bible. Uh, just in Galatians three times, we see it in Luke and uh, 1 Corinthians once. Romans, it actually shows up 10 different times. In the Old Testament, the phrase God forbid shows up nine times in reference to it says, God forbid that we should rebel against the Lord. God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. In other words, when God forbid shows up, it's a strong denial of what was implied. Uh Rebelling against the Lord, forsaking the Lord, serving other gods, sinning against the Lord, ceasing to pray. God forbid we should firmly and strongly deny that. And we see God forbid showing up here. It's not that it's not that I should glory. God forbid, may it never be. We should always be glorying in the Lord. And the whole focus of Galatians. What has Paul been bringing to light? ad nauseum over and over again from every type of argument that you can think of. And the one that you didn't think of, Paul did, and he brought it out. I mean, we saw that as we went through the entire book. It was that legalists love to boast in what? The flesh. They just love it. And they glory in what their flesh can manifest. And Paul focuses on right now boasting and glorying in the cross the finished work of Christ because he truly did pay it all it is all paid for in anything that you and I would decide to boast in just pick one because you're going to boast in something different. I'm going to boast in something different. You're going to boast in something different. You're going to boast in something different. You're going to boast in something different. And we all justify ourselves because we have different boastings. Yet we're all under the same umbrella of we boast in something that our flesh can manifest. Christ paid it all on the cross. And we look back way back in Daniel and we look at some things that God has to finish transgressions, end of sins, uh, being reconciled because of, because of iniquity, having everlasting righteousness. I have the indwelt Holy Spirit. And so we did a whole message on why Daniel 924 isn't for us because my sins are done. Everything on the cross. I have the indwelt Holy Spirit. I have everlasting righteousness. He's reconciled me because of my iniquity. The cross answers everything that we could boast in. He paid it all. It is finished. Glory in the cross of Christ. And we see that in verse number 14. 
but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a collision. The kids like to watch airplanes. And believe it or not, the son knows more about fighter jets and airplanes than I just listen and try to keep up. But they fly so close that you, you, I, I can't imagine how they do it without crashing, without tails hitting and, and wings. Hitting. But when there's a collision, the whole thing, it's horrible. It's horrible, plane crashes. Uh, what, what do we say, the fear of coming up in front of people and speaking? Is that a real fear? Put your hand up if you've ever had that fear of speaking in front of people. Yeah. I've got a fear. Airplanes. <laughs> I'm thankful that I don't have to fly as much anymore, but I always fear. I always try to get saved again when the plane goes up. I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to. And then it doesn't help when my friends tell me that, yeah, you know, uh, it, the worst part is taking off because that's when all the accidents happen. And the worst part is landing when all the accidents happen. And so that has stuck with me. I'm sorry that I'm making that stick with you now, but that has stuck with me ever since I've flown. I don't want to have a collision. I'm telling you, by the authority of God's word, that this world is a head-on collision with God's glory. It hates glorying in God and wants to glory in itself. This world has its heroes. Any walk of life, there's heroes. This world is looking for a hero to serve. And it's a person or it's a group of persons that they will joyfully and consistently serve. Just pick one. They're all out there. The world glories when they have their hero. It's based on the reputation of those that have come before them. It's based on their achievements and they can glory in that. With all of its man-centeredness, with all of how the world glories, it absolutely despises the cross. And because of that, if you are a born-again Christian, the world hates you and despises you because of the cross. It's the cross they hate, and you keep bringing it up. So all of that resentment is just poured onto you because they don't want God and they don't want Jesus. And the best I can say is the best I tell myself is don't take it personal. But it's hard to not take it personal, isn't it? Because it's a friend, it's a family member, it's a loved one, it's a coworker, it's someone that you have a relationship with. And as long as you don't bring that cross of Jesus Christ up, we're good. I've been there, and I'm sure you have as well. We all can glory in someone, and I would submit to you this morning, glory in our Lord Jesus Christ. Young people, there will be plenty of opportunity for you to glory in many, many things, from your achievements to your heroes to just put something down on paper. You can glory in that. I would ask you to consider glorying in what the Lord Jesus Christ did for you.
and you'll be an excellent witness no matter what career path you get into, no, what, no matter what doors of opportunity the Lord opens up for you. If you always commit to glorying in the cross, you will be on the right path. Here's a question I'd like to ask all of us this morning. Is the cross a burden or is the cross a glory? It's a glory because you don't have burdens. Burdens are lifted. Yeah. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. The law alone is a burden. Who could keep it? And Paul tries to get the legalists to see their need for another law. Their need for the cross. Not Simon's cross. but The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 27 verse 32 it says. And as they came out they found the man of Cyrene. Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. That was a burden for him to bear that cross. It's a picture of the consequence of sin. You and I are all sinners. We walk around carrying that burden of sin that just keeps getting heavier and heavier and heavier. Some of us are in the manufacturing business, though. We just manufacture stuff in our head and make those burdens and put them on ourselves. and carry that around. It just weighs us down. It's guilt. You ever hear the saying, there's guilt and then there's guilt? Okay, well, if you do something wrong and the judge says you're guilty, you're guilty. I mean, that's real guilt. You did something wrong. You should feel guilty because you are guilty. But then there's the stuff that we rehearse in our own being that isn't true. It's just made up. And we put all of this guilt on ourselves that shouldn't be there. I'm telling you, have you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? then why are you worrying about that weighing you down? Burdens have been lifted at Calvary. We all struggle with that from time to time. He continues to say in Matthew uh, Matthew 16, Jesus says unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whosoever will save his life shall lose it and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul lose his own soul what shall a man give in exchange for his soul we don't like to think about this good friend of mine from back home in new jersey known him for many many years He sells life insurance. He has to compel people to think about something that they don't want to think about. Which is dying. That's a pretty gloomy message to speak about. Who wants to get together for lunch or who wants to get together for a fellowship and just talk about death or dying? 
That's what life insurance salesmen do. <laughs> I mean, you can't make the conversation any less painful than it is. But he has to compel them to think about something that's difficult to think about. That's what we do when we bring the saving gospel of grace to this lost and dying world. It's compelling people to think about their soul. And where will that soul spend eternity? A couple of questions. I've got four of them for you. Is your desire to truly belong to Christ? If so, how is that being manifested in your life? Number two, are you truly willing to denounce self and all selfish pursuits? That's a tough question. As I study this out, and right now as I ask you, those same questions are presented to me. It's all for Jesus. You have a hard time singing that hymn, or you're really so sold out that it really is just all for Jesus. I told you before, sometimes I think I feel I should just close the hymn book and then just get down on my knees and go to God. They're great melodies. They're great hymns. It's great truth of the faith and of our Lord and what he did on the cross and how we should follow and serve him. But are we truly willing to denounce self and our selfish pursuits? Number three, with God's help, because without God's help, none of us could do it. Are you willing to embrace life's circumstances? Specifically, the circumstances that God had put you in. Dealing with all the difficulty, bearing all the burdens that come along with whatever the circumstance is as you walk the Christian life. Can you do that? And continue to walk on, continue to march on. Is the cross a burden or a glory to you? Number four, are you willing to imitate our Lord? Get Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter number 3. Are you willing to imitate our Lord? The Bible says in verse number 10 that I may know him. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death. Did the Lord Jesus Christ suffer and die for you? We're going to go through some suffering and pain and some trials in this world. Can you still glory in the cross of Christ? It's a glorious cross. And the fellowship of his sufferings. That's one of the main benefits of being able to be in a good Church, local fellowship. We can fellowship and we can share in each other's sufferings. That doesn't mean we come with tobacco and jump all, dump everything onto everybody, but it does mean you got a pain, you got a trial, you got something you're dealing with. Isn't it nice to just have a, a brother or a sister or a friend to just give you some encouragement, just to be around? It is. We should imitate our Lord. Philippians 4, look at verse uh, Look at verse number 4. Rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice. 
except what word did I miss? Always rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Are you willing to imitate our Lord Jesus Christ? How do you rejoice in the Lord in a time of suffering, a time of trial? We've talked about this before. Cross. You get your eyes off the cross. I get my eyes off the cross and the magnificent glory that comes along with it. We're going to lose focus. We're going to become self-centered. And the next thing you know, we're going to be in our own little boat of pity. Let's make it our life verse, Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Go over, uh, flip a uh, page or two, and you'll find Colossians 1. Let's get verse 24. Watch this. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you. And fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Were you put into the body of Christ the moment you trusted him? You were made part of a body. And that body is of Christ. And that body glorifies in the cross. Is the cross a burden or a glory to you? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you would. We'll see how the world views the cross. First Corinthians chapter number 1. Get there and we'll read. Starting at verse number 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but... To preach the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the good news that the Lord Jesus Christ came, died for the sins of the whole world, was buried, rose again three days and three nights later. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he offers salvation to whosoever will. Repent and trust in the Savior. Have you repented and have you trusted in the Savior? If you've not, then you're not saved. If you have, you are saved. You say, I'm a pretty good person. No, the Bible says for all have sinned. What is it that you're trusting in? Okay, that's sin. What do you need to repent of? Sin. <laughs> you're a sinner, just like I'm a sinner. Glory in the cross. And it says in verse number 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. The world collides because it thinks the cross is an absolutely positively foolish message. And we're here to tell them, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. You want true power, glory in the cross. You want true power, get plugged into Jesus. If that helps the young people kind of connect a little bit more, it'll be electrifying. That that work? Okay, see? If you want to glory in something, glory in the cross. This world will view that message as foolishness. Therefore, they will look at you and they will think that's that, that, that boy, that girl, that man, that woman, that group of people, they're foolish. Let's 
For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Give me anything but the cross. Give me something to glory in that I can see. Give me something to glory in where it shows that I'm wise. And God says it, preach the gospel. Because the only thing mankind can glory in is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're all guilty and condemned under sin. And when that cross, you come to the foot of that cross and place your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, your life should change. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. If you see your calling, brethren, how that many men, not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world. To do what? Confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world. To confound the things which are mighty. Stay with me. And base things of the world and things which are despised. Hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. You come to the foot of the cross. You come to a real saving face in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I have nothing to glory. Nothing. But I won the spelling bee. I won the academia award. I won the world championship in golf or in fill in the sport. Whoop de doo. <laughs> Whoop de doo. I'm not telling you try to I'm not telling you to not try to achieve things God wants us to work he wants us to get better he wants us to be providers men he wants us to accomplish things but don't we accomplish things and forget about who should get the glory I did this I accomplished that I'm so wise. I built this. I saved this many souls. I preached this long. I served Sunday school this long. I was a good parent. I. It's all about me, myself, and I, isn't it? All of us have to get back to glorying in the one who is worthy of the glory. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And the cross. 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, for I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is not a verse that you can cherry pick out of context and say, you see, I don't have to do school anymore. <laughs> no, you got to do school, right? Because the Bible also says to study, to show thyself approved from the God, a workman. So there's going to be some work involved. This is a verse to help bring the light. We need to be careful of what we're glorying in. Christ and him alone. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, if you would. By the way, you can say amen. Uh, you can say Give me so like uh, it tells me that you're on the same page or you're with me and I'm not putting you to sleep. Amen. 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 You almost fell asleep, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who said that? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna get you some pizza, I know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You got me off track. Where am I supposed to be? First <laughs> Corinthians chapter number eleven. Look at verse number twenty four. I did lose my spot. Where did I want to? Ah, Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians, chapter eleven. Look at verse number twenty four. We'll start at verse number 23. Watch what Paul goes through. Watch it. Verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequent. Of deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I 40 stripes save one. That's 39 stripes. Thrice was I beaten with rods. How many of you were beaten with the rod? Well, we can't ask that with kids in the room with, <laughs> with parents that actually believe in biblical chastisement. So we'll ask this on the next one. How many of you were, it says once I was stoned. How many of you were stoned this week? That'd be none of us. That'd be none of us. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often in perils of waters and perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often in hunger and thirst, in fastings often in cold and nakedness, besides those things that are without, that which cometh unto me daily, the care of all the churches. Do you know what Paul went through? And he still cared for the church and the body of Christ. He still gloried in the cross of Jesus Christ. And most of us are so caught up in all of our self-induced pity that we lose focus. You've not been beaten. You've not been stoned. You've not been shipwrecked. Get a hold of the glory of the cross, William. We can do that and be a great local church for God. 
if we're glorying in God and what he did for us. But I'm hungry. But I'm thirsty. But I'm cold. But I'm in pain. But I'm in a wilderness season. But I've been shipwrecked. But I'm in the deep, Lord. Yeah. Welcome to Paul's life. It's not going to go away. This side of heaven. Didn't go away for Paul. And it's not going to go away for us. Mm -hmm. People say, oh, it's so bad now. And I and I get it. I know it's what Brother Kelly said this morning. When he was growing up, it's so different. Went to a Bible conference last week, one night. Preacher was passing through town, wanting to hear him preach. We were talking, him and the older preachers like, we're so glad we're not trying to start a church now. <laughs> he goes, you got it so hard. You got it so hard. It's not that they're not praying. It's not that they're not hoping the best. It's just, well, the Kelly's day, Sister Myra's day, some of the older saints, life was different. It was. But as different as it was then and now where it is now, not a one of us are going through what Paul's are going through or had to go through. So, yeah, it's tough. But remember what Paul went through. What? And he said, this is what he says in Philippians 3. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Does that sound like a man of God that's willing to give up and quit? He's still pressing on to the prize. He's got his eye on the prize. I'm thinking of a worldly song I used to listen to. I guess the lyrics are right. But I won't. I won't bring it up. But I'm thinking about it. It was. It was keeping your eyes like a tiger because you weren't going to quit. You had your eye on the prize. And Paul is saying he's not keeping his eye. And he's telling us not to take our eye off the cross. Christ. What makes the cross so glorious is Christ chose the cross. When he took it upon himself, it became glorious. The glory of the Lord Jesus Christ himself is what exalts the cross. And it's the ultimate reminder of his great love toward us. It should be a reminder of our great love toward each other, towards our children, towards our family, and toward this lost and dying world. Meaning, they're all going to mess up. They're all going to sin. But God commendeth his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The disgrace that our Lord went through, it proclaims his great love. It exhibits his righteousness, and it's why we so glory in his cross. Notice Paul isn't glorying in his ancestry. He had a pretty good one. He's not glorying in his education. He's not glorying in his personal morality or even his call to the apostleship. He's not glorying in a high position. He's glorying in the cross. Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words. Well, I'm so smart. Get out of the way. You know how smart Paul was? I'm thinking of a man right now. He was 
10 times smarter than me, crashed and burned. Why? Wisdom of words. Ruined his, his, his shot at the ministry. Ruined his marriage. Ruined the relationship with his children. Why? Because he was so wise. He became a wise acre. A friend of mine that lost contact with that could run circles around most men with the Bible. All gone. Why? Wisdom of words. Lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. When Paul gloried, it was practical. It wasn't just lip service. He put it to practice. And when Paul gloried, it wasn't a short term. Yeah, I can do it for an hour. But that's about all I can do to keep the lid on it without glorying for myself. It was permanent. Paul kept on because he had his eye on the prize. He had his eye on the cross. Then the Bible says in verse number 14, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. You can sum up the world's priorities and the world's values very simply. Look at how they treated Christ. Look at how they treat Christians and look at how they view the cross. I, like Paul, want to stand crucified to the world. I don't want to think like the world. I don't want to share the world's values. I don't want to share the world's priorities. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. For the last year, all the mess that we went through as Americans. Did you hear any of the news media or any of the doctors say, we need to get our priorities right. This time right now in our country, we need to go to God. We need to come to the foot of the cross and pray, would be to God, would you help us? No. Not one time. It's this man's fault. It's that man's fault. It's this reason. No, it's that reason. Do this. No, do that. Don't do that. Oh, you can do this. All of these smokescreen attractions, but nothing to say we need to come to God. This is where we are as a nation. This is where we are, dare I say, in modern everyday churchianity that plays church. Please, please let us not be a church that plays church. Please. We need to point people to Jesus Christ. Is the world dead to you? Is it crucified to you? And the glory of the cross should show should should so grip your being that you absolutely desire no applause from mankind whatsoever. Galatians chapter six, verse number 15. Last verse we'll look at and then we'll close. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Is circumcision important? Nope. Is uncircumcision important? Nope. What's important? The new creature. Preach the gospel to every creature. There's the doctrine of creation. We are creatures. We have been created by God. That's what's important. In Ephesians and Colossians, it's also called the new man. A new creature, you're a new man. In 1 Peter, it's called the hidden man of the heart. 
All of that refers to our new creature in Christ. Our priority for our growth should be on the new creature. Most of our priority and most of our growth is on the physical. This is why we do push-ups. This is why we go to the gym. This is why we play sports. This is why we exercise. And I'm not saying don't do any, any of those things at all. I do, the, I do some of those things. Exercise, profit, gives you a little profit, so go and get a little profit from it. But ultimately, we need to weigh out the balances and say, hey, am I putting as much focus on building my physical health as I am my spiritual health? If you got that thing balanced out, great. If you don't, go to the Lord and, and help him balance it you out. So this is not don't take care of your physical body. More Christians should be doing that. That's the temple that God gave us to dwell on in this earth. If you do things to that body to purposefully stunt the way it can be healthy and grow, you're not going to be as effective for the Lord. You're not going to live as long. You're not going to be able to have the mental clarity that God wants you to have. So you don't eat every meal like you're going to the electric chair. Okay? It's a joke. It means you're going to die, so you're just going to eat and be gluttonous and all all right, that fell flat. You, really <laughs> you know, you're really helping me out. You're really helping me out this week. <laughs> you have to focus on, not just on the outside, but on the inside. Very good. You got to focus on both the outside and the inside. And what is more important? The inside is more important. The inside is more important, but our flesh will always want to go toward the flesh. That's just the way that it goes. Crucifixion to the world will result in separation from the world, but it can't just be an action. It has to be in spirit. If you can tell somebody. Don't look at that, and they won't look. You can tell somebody, don't do that, and they won't do it. You can tell somebody, don't listen to that, and they won't listen to that. They do it in action, but their heart still desires to look at that. Their heart still desires to go there. Their heart still desires to listen to it. So what's more important? I convince my child, don't do this. He doesn't do the action, but his heart, oh, so desires no drinking in this house. And that's right. There won't be any drinking in this house. Liquors are the devil. It's the devil's brew. We don't want anything to do with it. Matter of fact, don't even look at it. But if you desire that body, you desire the world's system and priorities and values. And you're eventually going to grab what you want. If you are crucified to this world, then in action and in spirit, you will be separated from this world. Still living in it, but you have no desire to want to do what it wants you to do. True biblical Christianity, it's not an outward deal. Religion is outward. Circumcision, uncircumcision, it's all outward. You're not a Christian because your parents are Christians. That's religion. You're not a Christian because you came to church. That's religion. You're not a Christian because you participated in the Lord's Supper last month. That's an outward, that's religion. 
You read your devotional every day. That's religion. True biblical Christianity is inward. Should you come to church? Yes. Should you do daily devotions? Yes. Should your parents be Christians? Hopefully. <laughs> Check the bar, but the box. Yes, 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 yes. But that doesn't make you a Christian. You need to come to the cross. You need to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a new name. It's a new creature. And a new creature by default results in what? A great change on the inside. If you don't see any change in somebody's life, they're probably not saved. I didn't say all the change. I didn't say the change that where you at. And you think people need to be where you're at. I didn't say you can measure it. But I am saying this, this idea that you went and passed out all these tracks and knocked on all these doors and in a week you got 50 people saved and none of them are at church. It's a joke. They're not saved. You got them to repeat something that they never wanted to repeat. Uh, OK, parents, stay with me. You ever tell one you ever tell son one to say. Uh, you ever tell your, your son to say you're sorry, say you're sorry to your sister? Mine do this. Sorry. I got him to repeat the words. That kid was about as sorry as he wasn't sorry. <laughs> Would you please apologize for the way that you spoke to your sister? And some real wiseacre kids will say, well, dad, I don't want to lie. <laughs> now that's honest. But most of the time in situations like that, don't we get them to repeat words and they don't mean a lick of it? We need to be careful. We need to be real careful. You know, these big conferences and these big rallies. Yeah, we had all these people saved. You know, these guys do these fair ministries. Yeah, we talked to all these people. We had them pick the box. And you know, at the end of it, we had 300 salvations. Then they pass all the slips out to the local churches. The local churches call and they have no idea what they're talking about. Why? Because they got them to repeat something so they can go get some cotton candy. <laughs> That's what they did. Be real careful trying to get people to say words that they don't mean. No change probably means, not all the time, because you might not be able to see the change. We can't measure it, but God can. You're born again. You mean to tell me God is powerful enough to save you, but he's not powerful enough to change you? I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Aren't you glad that God can change you where you were? Just think about when you got saved and where you are now. Was there change? Did it take some time? We need to be careful of two things. One, judging other people based on, well, they, they didn't grow as fast as I grow, so they couldn't have been saved. This person's growing too slow, so they can't be saved. No, but there should be some change. I'm thinking of the brother-sister situation. Isn't this a blessing, parents? When you when you try to get you know you try to just get the stress to go away and you say say you're sorry to your sister and just be done with it. But isn't it a blessing when they come downstairs sometimes and they'll say, you know, I'm really sorry for the way I acted. Now that's words with a spirit to back it up. Isn't that a blessing? That's kind of maybe it's not the best analogy, but that's kind of what God wants. We're gonna say something to the Lord. Make sure your spirit and your heart's in. That's what God wants. God is able to save you. He can change you. That's the new creature. And that new creature is changed and acceptable to God. 
God is in the renovation business. He renovates the whole man, the whole temple, your mind, your heart affections. I'll close with this. There was a tombstone that read this. Here lies an old man, seven years old. In other words, he was only a true Christian for seven years before he died. When he got born again. Doesn't matter how young you are. How old you are. Or how in between you are. You are a sinner. And because of that you're separated from God. He made a way. to be For you to be reconciled to him. And spend eternity not in hell. But with him. And he did that by dying on the cross. And paying for your sin debt. Your past sins. Your present sins. Your future sins. And until you come to faith and trust in him, you're heading down the wrong road. And if you were to die without the Savior and his blood to cover your iniquity, you're headed for hell. But God does not want that. That's why he did what he did. You've not come to know the Lord Jesus Christ in a true, personal, real way. You can do that. At any time, why not make this time that time? You can come see me, come see any of the men of the church. Coming to an altar won't save you. Repeating a prayer won't save you. You can come to God any way you, anywhere you are and in any form you want to. But what doesn't change is you've got to come to God on God's terms. Whether you come to an altar, whether you go behind a tree, whether you kneel down at your bed, whether you talk with your parents, whether you're in your car, whether you're in a church house or your regular house. It really doesn't matter where you are or where you can come to God at any place. But you must, every man and woman must come to God in the same terms, God's terms. You've got to realize that you're lost and you need a Savior. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.